Hey, it's Thomas Frank. I've just got a quick note for you before we get into the show. If you've been enjoying the Inforium or my videos over on YouTube, then you, my friend, should get Nebula. On Nebula, you get ad-free versions of both this podcast and my videos, along with exclusive stuff like extended versions of those videos. And it's not just our stuff that you're going to get. Dozens of other creators are on Nebula, including Ali Abdal, Wendover Productions, Braincraft, Tier Zoo, and lots more. Nebula gives us a chance to experiment, and since everything's ad-free, it's also the best way for you to get our content. Head over to theinforium.com slash nebula to sign up now. Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast. My name is Thomas Frank, and this is a show that helps you become a more effective student. In today's episode, we're talking about how to design, craft, and deliver great presentations. I'll be talking with my friend John Ramos, who is a medical student from Portugal and also is the founder of the studentpower.com, which is a site much like College Info Geek that aims to help students become better at what they do. And he's also the author of a book called The Super Student's Guide to Presentations, which is an excellent well-researched, and I have to say, really well-designed book that just came out recently on giving great presentations. So we're going to go over some of the points in the book and hopefully help you to craft and deliver better presentations. And if you want extra detail, you can check out his book and his site afterwards. If you want to find show notes for this episode, including the links over to check those things out, you'll find them at CIGpodcast.com. Episode 85 link on the page will get you all those links and also ways to rate and review the podcast on iTunes if you'd like to help the show out. So that's all I've got for this intro. Let's get into the interview with John and hopefully you enjoy it. All right, John, welcome to the show, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, so I'm checking out this book you wrote on presentations and the first thing I want to say is like, you did a fantastic job formatting this thing. Thank you, it, it's uh, it's really great to hear. It's Yeah, it's really nice. Like my, my book is just just text on a page but this is like <laughs> images and it's like well formatted and it's got all these graphics and like infographics on here like this is good stuff so we're gonna talk about presentations today and this is a good tie-in because as you probably saw i did a video on public speaking yep but the video was just over like the techniques you can use to speak better it wasn't mm-hmm. about how to design presentations or research them or structure them it wasn't about the visuals and uh, that's mainly what you seem to cover in this book. So I just want to pick your brain today about uh, how students can start building pre- better presentations and delivering them in a way that keeps people engaged. And um, I guess to start out, like I'm curious to know what your experience has been that enabled you to write this book. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm uh, I'm a medical student in the last year. So here in Europe, it's uh, six years. There's no undergraduate medical school type of thing like in the U.S., but it's six years and I had the opportunity to participate in contests and science fairs, technology fairs. And, you know, you work on side projects with your friends or in like science clubs, uh, electronics clubs. And recently I'm also uh, writing my master's thesis. So I actually did standalone research and I had the opportunity to present them at uh, European medical student conferences or European medical conferences. And I've also tutored some younger students in high school who are still studying in high school, but they want to go to these contests and science contests for high school students. And I'm part of organizations and associations here in my country huh. who, which support these students. So I've had a lot of presenting experience. I had a lot of tutoring experience. And I can also say that I think I improved a lot 
in in presentations in public speaking because I started at, as that awkward 14-year-old kid who got really sweaty palms and <laughs> shaky legs when presenting and I that think I worked my, Yeah, exactly. I think <laughs> I think it, you know it's it's the the fight or flight uh, response. Yeah. So I I think that over these years thanks to participating in these uh, conferences and contests and you start to like to do public speaking and presentations eventually you'll get better and better at it. Yeah. So so I think that my my path towards becoming a better speaker inspired me to document my experiences. I, I do not claim to speak from the expert standpoint, but I just wanted to document what I learned and, and share it with, with other students. Okay. So you were presenting when you were fourteen? Yeah, like when I was fourteen, I remember that was my public my first public speaking experience because I you know, I was in this uh, electronics club for mm. middle school kids in, in my school. And I'd, I did some kind of gadget. I think it was an FM transmitter. Yeah, I built it and I was challenged to go to a local competition for electronics fans. And I, I went there and I went completely unprepared. When I, <laughs> when I, saw, when I saw an audience of about 100 people, I, I guess, oh, wow. I was like, and then they said, and then they said, now you have to present your project. I was, I, I got really, really nervous. I remember it like it was yesterday. I, I went there and I, I tried to do my best, but <laughs> it was not the best performance. <laughs> and then over time, I started working on other things and putting teams together to go to other contests and to present our projects, uh, science projects or final, in, you know, in high school here in, in Portugal, it's, it's my, it's where I live the, in, in the final year of, of high school, you must develop like this big project. Really? That's part of that. Yeah. That's part of your grade. It's, it, it, I think it was abolished, but in my, in my year, like 2010, you had to okay. develop this, this big project and you had to present it in school. But we also, since we developed something cool, it was an EKG device. We decided also to present it in a contest, and it was in that contest that I think I got better and learned most of the techniques that are in this book okay. from then onwards. Oh, that's cool. And, I like that idea, yeah. actually. It's kind of sad that they've abolished it because uh, my final class for MIS in college was a project class, and I remember the, the semester that I got to it, uh, it had been a project-based class all the years before and then right when I got there they got a new professor and they changed the curriculum and turned it into some random like lecture based class I'm not even really sure what they were trying to teach and we, we got through like two weeks of it and then I was like this isn't what this class is supposed to be so we went and talked to the department head and got it changed back to be a project based class because I think that's a really good way to learn so that's it's I, cool that in high school they yeah. had everyone doing that that's really cool yeah I think it's the best way to learn mm-hmm. because you're you're actually doing stuff and you, you'll you'll take the initiative to learn things that apply directly to your project. So it's it's a really great way to learn and it's also how I was really motivated to get better at public speaking so I could sell my ideas, if you will, to the judges and stakeholders who could potentially finance us and yeah. finance our project. So that that's what that was kind of like my wake up call to it's really important to be really good at maths and physics and biology or whatever field you want to follow in the future. But it's also really important to being able to sell your ideas and to communicate your ideas clearly with the people who can make a difference in, in your life and in your professional life. 
Right, right. So that, I'd like to start diving into your book, but before we kind of dive into any one particular section, can you just kind of give me an overview of all that it covers? Sure. Like the 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 book is called the Super Students Guide to Presentations mm-hmm. because it's really meant to be a practical and you know a visual guide to creating better presentations and to be a better uh, student public speaker. I think it's it's different from other books out there since it's made by a student, you know, for students. So mm. I've experienced I experienced exactly the the challenges and and the circumstances in which we have to present as students, from classrooms to stages with big audiences. And um, I decided to follow a visual approach to finding out how how you can go from an idea of a presentation or, or you know, the assignment of the presentation all the way to the final applause or <laughs> ideally standing ovation yeah. if needed. So <laughs> so that, that's pretty much the, the idea for the book. So uh, what are the overall sections then? Okay, so the book is divided into uh, seven chapters or main sections. Okay. One is like the overview and, and the, the chapter in which I speak about the elements of, of a great presentation and what it means to be a communicator or a student communicator in this century and how technology affects our, our presentations and public speaking uh, challenges. Then I talk about the importance of planning. And this is, this is very important. And I, from my experience from helping other younger students, it's something that people usually don't, don't do. But it's like very, very important to get right if you want to be productive and to arrive at a great presentation mm-hmm. during the time frame that you have to prepare it. So what do you mean by planning? Like what specific elements go into planning of a presentation? Like when I talk about planning, two students are like, oh, but this is a really short presentation, five minutes. I don't think we, we need planning that much. And I the quote from this chapter that it's like in the beginning of the chapter is plans are nothing, but planning is everything. And it was uh, Dwight Eisenhower who, who said this. Yeah. And it's very important. Like I'm, I'm not saying you should have like an, an, a, a full proposal of a presentation or a full report, like it's something very formal. But you should at least know and, and define exactly who you want to convince with this audience, how much time you have to prepare it, and how you will you know, divide the tasks that will eventually lead to the final product, how you'll manage your research, and who, in, if you're working with a team, who is going to do this and that. So it's important to define that in the beginning so you have, you know, an organized pipeline until the, the the final product instead of having you know chaos all over the the, the process. So okay, so know, it's it's something you do before the research process to exactly. figure out all the aspects of the presentation, like who's going to be in your audience, audience size, your venue, uh, who's on your team, all that kind of stuff. Yes. Cool. Okay. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense because it's yeah. if you do that, you're going to have less research and less like moving elements around because you'll already kind of have an idea of what to do in the first place. Exactly. And it, you know, it's something fun that you, if you're working with a team and I think most of the times you have like at least a group or at least another, another person to work with. And it's something fun. You know, it's, it's just discussing how things will go for the next couple of weeks or for the next couple of days when you're working on this. Okay. So after planning, the next step is, uh, Research, right? Exactly. Okay. You know, research and resources. I call the resources everything that's not uh, factual data, like images, uh, videos, even even sound for some kinds of presentations. Mm. So this is a very important phase, of course, because it it's it makes up the substract of your 
presentation. It, you know, it's the, the raw materials in with which you'll build your presentation. <laughs> and and it's it's all about finding the right sources of information, how to collect, you know, information from those sources efficiently and correctly, and which sources you should use and, and why, and uh, also how to find high quality, high resolution pictures for your presentations, mm. how to extract videos, all of that. Okay. So actually I have a question for you. I want, I want to find something. I took some notes on, uh, on research papers and yeah. I want to find them real quick because here it is. He said that the typical flow for writing a research paper, and this was a Microsoft researcher named uh, Simon Peyton Jones. Mm-hmm. He said the typical idea or like typical flow for writing a research paper, which I guess you could say is analogous to a presentation in certain ways is you have your idea and then you do your research and you write your paper. And he said the better way to do it would be to have your idea, write your paper and then use what you wrote at first as like a forcing function to compel you to do research from there because then you're kind of using what's in your head already and you're writing it down. You're really hammering out a solid vision for what you want to present and you can use that to direct your research more efficiently. So what's your take on that and uh, doing exactly. research before or after the writing phase? That's 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 an awesome quote and it's it's exactly the, the, the type of presentation like you can present a topic that you're researching beforehand, but you can also present your research project or, you know, a project that, or you're presenting your product or something that you built. Mm. And in that case, you're not doing research like you're not presenting it about quantum physics. You're presenting about something that you built. So you're the biggest expert on that topic. So mm. if you have a research paper or if you wrote a report about something that you want to present then that's the best starting point that's the best starting point for the outline of the presentation or for the for what type of information and what topics your presentation will include okay and then uh, from there you have that framework you can, you can do further research if you need to yeah because the thing about the presentation you know presentations can take on several different forms it could be like you said a presentation about something you built in which case research quote unquote is something that you did during the build process and the process of doing the presentation will require less of it. But if it's a informative presentation on a topic you yet you don't know a whole lot about yet, I'm of the mind that you would... I don't know. I guess it depends. I tend to try to write out my ideas before I dive in to do a bunch of research. And I do it because I don't want my research and the content that I read to overtake my own voice too much. I want to mm-hmm. at least get a little bit of my own voice into it and to you know build out the structure of my presentation in the way that I would say it and make it more me than like whoever wrote the research material I'm writing that I'm taking from and then yeah. I can use the research material to bolster my points and to back up any claims I have and, it, yeah. and the research might change the overall structure but I like to have that initial draft so like a mixed approach yeah is that how you yeah. tend to do it too yes it, it it really depends on my initial knowledge about the topic okay. so like sometimes I'll present about something or I'm assigned to do a presentation about something that I already know a little bit about, but sometimes I'm also assigned to present about something that I know nothing about. So the impact of research will vary according to your initial knowledge, of course, about the the topic. Okay. So the next thing I want to ask you about is the process of crafting your script and, yeah. uh, and how to time the creation of your slides and visual materials along with that. 
So what do you what do you think about making your slides after you're done with the script, or should you make them along with it? I tend to first write the script, or at least write. I, I'm when I'm when I mention writing a script, it's not always writing like you know a full script, like it's a mm. a play or, or something like that. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes my script are you know just some notes, you know, an outline of how the presentation will go. And I tend to do that before creating the slides because I think it's really important to follow the one point, one slide rule. So you should make a point in every slide, um, you know, mac- maximum three points in, in, in a slide if, you, if you're really short on time. Okay. So in order to arrive at organized slides and slides that make sense uh, overall in, in the from when you're looking at the bigger picture, I think it's really important to write the script or at least write an outline before you create the slides. And even I think that the ideal framework is to first define your outline, create your outline, you know, yeah. really know what you're going to say, then kind of storyboard your slides, like draw or have an idea of what, what pictures, what headlines you're going to insert in the slides, and then open PowerPoint or open Keynote and design the slides because you'll be much more effective and you'll know exactly what you'll do and why you'll do it. Okay. This sounds about in line with what I do. And I mean, I can, I can explain my sort of process for designing my visuals with presentations. And I don't know if this is the generally accepted best way to do things or not. Um, yeah. But I was, de- I was developing a talk recently and fortunately the weather canceled it, but I was developing it. I wrote out the whole bullet list of points. I didn't script it out word for word, but I had this huge bullet list because it was an hour long talk. And once I had that done, then I went through it and I marked sections where I'm like, okay, that could be a slide. That could be a slide. And once I had gone through the whole thing like that, I had a list of slides to make. And this is really similar to how I do videos where I will film my all my words and I'll talk out the entire script. And then after I've edited it all down, to a role of just me talking and then I'll start developing the ideas for the graphics and animations to go on top of it. So that's kind of the way that I do it and I think it works pretty well. And my, my general philosophy with slides and maybe you'll disagree and maybe this doesn't work for certain topics or certain more technical uh, areas that you do get presentations on. My general thought with slides and visuals is that they should accentuate the content, not mirror it. So I will do a slide that doesn't doesn't reiterate what I just said. It might have like a little joke that references what I just said, or it'll have a visual, like a graphic or a a drawing. I actually like to do a lot of my my slides. I just draw on whiteboards and take pictures and then put it in straight in PowerPoint with no text. Yeah. And uh, I think that's a little bit more interesting, but I could see like if if you were trying to teach, maybe you would want to put literal definitions and things in your slides as well. You know, I, th- I think that's a great approach to, to you know, like you said, you're giving a talk to an audience at a conference, for example. So you want them to be engaged and you, you don't want them to fall asleep in their, in their chair. So if your approach is to explain what you're going to explain with jokes and with, with things that you draw on whiteboards, that's, that's perfect. Like, you know, not every presentation is super technical. You're, you're not... Like I usually say, you're not always presenting about quantum physics or about the molecular biology of cancer, which is something very specific. And perhaps you'll have to come up or find precise diagrams about how things work. If you're just telling your story or if you're just explaining how or, you know, just 
telling the audience about your experience about something. I think it's 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 exactly what you said. It's much better to have some slides that accentuate what you're saying and slides that you know throw a little joke, crack a little joke, so that the audience will uh, like the speaker and the presentation. So I agree 100. percent So what are your thoughts on adding stories into your your presentations? I think that they're a great way of uh, engaging the audience and try to establish some empathy with the audience because mm. you know storytelling is uh, as old as the fire in human societies. I would say you know it's uh, people you know naturally sit around um, fireplaces and, and and tell stories about their experiences. I think that even even when you're presenting about something technical or if you want to teach something. It's much better to convey your message if you break it down into a story that everyone can understand. Okay. And it's a really, it's it's really great to be able to simplify things into stories which are intuitive and everyone understands. And and you know I think that great teachers, or at least the teachers that I met who, who were very effective at teaching, always did that. So it's 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 really a great way to it's a great tool to include in your presentations for sure. Is there like an ideal percentage? of the time that should be dedicated to stories and examples versus research and findings and facts? You know, I, I'm not, I don't have a number in my head, but I also think that it really depends on the time that you have available. Okay. And also, and also the topic, like for example, I'll give the example, I'll give the example when I'm presenting my thesis in in a conference, like I have this very technical medical research report or poster that I am presenting. And when I have like, five minutes plus, I tend to in, to include a story about how I got started with this research. So I'll, te- I'll really tell the, 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 the judges who are listening to my, to my talk, I'll just tell them, you know, I was in college and I was learning about diabetes and I spoke to my supervisor about this and I suggested this idea to conduct uh, the, my research project and he disagreed at first, but then we saw this and that. And I, you know, I tell them a small narrative, one minute, perhaps one minute of those uh, five, six minutes that I have available. And I think that I'm not using that minute to, you know, explain my results or to explain or to conclude or to make a brilliant uh, description of the methods I use. But I think it's a way to tell them that you're human and that you arrived at this in some way. So even if it's just six minutes, I'll, I'd, I'd say dedicate a minute to telling your story and tell them how you arrive at your at your project and at your uh, product. Yeah, I think I, that's a good point to make. Um, I do want to add a little add a little bit of a warning to it, maybe. Um, when I was watching that presentation about writing research papers, he mentioned that it's not always the best idea to recapitulate your personal journey of discovery, like your own blood, sweat, and tears that went into the process of discovery are not always super interesting to the audience. So and maybe he, maybe he meant that in the context of a research paper and less in the context of a presentation because in a presentation you're actually standing there talking to people so there might be some room for like you said the, a little bit of a journey that it took for you to figure out what you're presenting. I guess I would just say like don't focus too much on all the branch, branching paths you took to figure it out and the failures and successes and everything. Yeah, and and you know usually people want to hear stories like of overnight successes and not mm-hmm. that something took you know a lot of work to to accomplish yeah. so yeah definitely you, you know but you can you can adapt your stories right so you can you can try to 
dramatize it a little bit or you can you know choose what stories to tell the audience and you know you have to play with it you have to find the right method that you you'll think that works for you and then from the feedback you know iterate your your presentation so speaking of feedback how do you get feedback if this isn't a presentation that you're going to do multiple times yep so that's usually what i've been doing and my the students that i've helped also present their projects several times so i'd say get feedback from three sources three three central sources one of one of them are uh, try to talk to your teacher you know supervisor or someone who or advisor or whatever someone who has more experience than yours who's supervising you mm-hmm. and ask for their feedback and for uh, their advice on how your presentation went so that's one the second one are you know teammates friends like if you have a, if you if you're working on a team and you're speaking then you should ask them what went well what went wrong what they would change in body language and tone in the slides if they think everything worked all right and and third of all and most importantly the audience you know you, you can just feel how they react if if they laughed at your jokes or not if they seem to enjoy the pictures that you've presented the questions that they've asked you know you have to be uh, aware of all those factors so that ne- the next time you can improve on, on, on your performance. So these are methods of getting feedback after you've given the presentation. What can you do to get feedback while you're developing it or once it's developed and you're in the stage where you're just rehearsing it and practicing? Yeah, I know in, in that stage, it's just a guessing game, but it, it's it's how it works. And sometimes you'll only have one chance to present. Mm. So that really, I, I think that in that stage, your team and people who are working with you or at least supporting you, even if it's just friends and family that have nothing to do with your, with your project, I think those are the best people to that can give you an honest opinion and, and help you with your with your work. And of course, again, if you're working with you know under the supervision the, the supervision of a, of a teacher or a research supervisor, you know, an advisor or whatever, then they're also the right people to to tell tell you what they think because they have a lot of experience mm-hmm. and they've probably watched over many other students as well. Okay. Yeah. So I guess you could ask them, hey, can I come to office hours and give you like a dry round of the presentation just yeah. to see what you think? Yeah. I think, you know, from my experience, they're more than happy to, to, to do it. And it takes, you know, it takes the time of the presentation plus their comments. So it's, it's something that will definitely fit their schedule. One thing I want to add uh, to that is you can also be your own source of feedback. The way that I yep. like to practice yep. for presentations is I will take video of myself doing it. Mm-hmm. That way I can go back and have a very concrete, realistic version of what I did that's not subject to my memory coloring it. Exactly. And then I can easily pinpoint what I'm doing wrong, what I can prove. I remember you know, watching that and reading that on, your, on College Info Geek. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And a really great way of, of, of improving by yourself. Cool. Well, from there, I mean, your book goes into speaking. I know we did a, a public speaking uh, video uh, a couple weeks ago. But do you have any additional points you think are, are good to mention here? On well, I, I I really enjoyed your, your post. And, of course, uh, you can't cover everything, right? But I think that it's really important to add... Uh, rehearsal. I think I think that the rehearsal process is really, really, really important. And and for novice speakers or or from people who really suffer from anxiety and, and stage fright, 
I think that rehearsal is something that can, it, it, it's, it's really a magical thing. I've seen people who, you know, couldn't almost couldn't open their mouths in front of an audience and overnight by rehearsing for a couple of hours, you know, did an acceptable performance, delivered a, an acceptable presentation to, to the audience. So the, the advantage of rehearsing and when, when I say rehearsing is reciting the presentation several times, you know, almost to the point of knowing everything by heart, what you're going to say, mm. it kind of, you know, stage fright and, and speaking anxiety, it's kind of this unconscious process in your brain. So you're, you're fighting unconscious with unconscious because when you're rehearsing several times, you're also kind of memorizing or at least integrating those facts into your brain. So it's unconscious to get those symptoms and it will also be unconscious to just tell everything you have to say and what you've re rehearsed. So I think rehearsal, it's the number one way to overcome public speaking anxiety and with time to really deliver fluent presentations and quality talks um, when you're presenting your projects and, and, and school assignments or university assignments. So definitely for people who don't usually rehearse or who rehearse for 10 minutes and then that's it, I strongly advise them to do it for at, at least like one or two hours, even if it's spread over the week. I think it's really a great way of improving the quality of your presentations. Yeah, completely agree. I was talking with a friend of mine last week and she was talking about her first experiences with public speaking uh, for her business. And she was with another person who was also presenting at the same event she was at. And she remarked that he was, he was rehearsing so much and like the dude would just practice over and over and over again until he had it cold. And she was like, you know, usually my style was not to rehearse as much, maybe a couple of times, but then get on stage and use the excitement of, of the moment to carry me through it. But watching him practice and then watching how good he presented because of it kind of changed my mind. And yeah. I have to agree. Like I have done presentations where I'm not super prepared and I can sort of stumble my way through them and seem to be somewhat competent. But when I'm well practiced with a presentation, you get up there and it just is like, it's like you, it just comes out, it right? Just, yeah, yeah. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. It's, exactly. it's fun to do. Exactly. Presenting yeah. when you're not prepared is not fun. And, and you know, and you can focus on, on different things. And instead of focusing on what you're going to say, you can focus on the audience. You can focus on your body language. Mm. You know, it's, it's, it's really shifting your focus from, from what you should know already, which is what you're going to say from things mm. that, you know, you can control better if you're, if you're well prepared. Actually, that's one, that's one good thing to note before we end, because you said, uh, focus on your audience. I can't remember who told me this, but somebody told me like the number one thing to focus on with in presentations is the transformation that what you're talking about is going to have in the audience. Like whether mm -hmm. you want to persuade them to have a new opinion or to take an action or just to teach them something or make them laugh. If you focus on that, then you take the focus off of any anxiety or any technical aspects of your presentation and you're not worrying about it so much. Exactly. Because what you care about is, did these people learn what I got up here to teach them? Definitely agree. Awesome. Well, if people want to take a look at your book, and I highly recommend that if, if you guys want to become better present, uh, presenters, this book is awesome. <laughs> you put a lot of work into this, man, I got to say. Yeah, I'm yeah. Like scrolling I... through it right now. Um, where can they go to get it? 
you know, I run this blog, which also kind of became a uh, ebook store, which is thestudentpower.com. Mm. And it's besides, you know, uh, featuring this book, it's also a website that uh, <clears throat> offers weekly content to help high achieving students or students with uh, goals, uh, professional or academic goals. And it helps, it helps them to meet their goals. And I think my goal, my, you know, my, the original goal for this website was to cover important skills or, or topics that are not taught in school or, or university or are usually overlooked by, by teachers mm. like public speaking, uh, presentations, project management, study techniques, networking, uh, conferences, productivity, all of that. So this was the first book I hope to write um, a few more over the next over the next years or over the next few months I want to uh, launch another one. But for now, I'm really happy with the student the super students guide to presentations and I hope that people like it as well. Cool. yeah, and it uh, looks like you can get a free chapter as well. If you want yep. to check it out, and also a free sixty-page ebook, the 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 roadmap to the super student. So people who want like a freebie or a look, a preliminary look into my writing can also get that if they subscribe to the newsletter. So, well, John, thanks for coming to the show. This has been thank an awesome you so much for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, for sure. And we'll so, have to, we'll have to talk again soon. Yeah, and keep up the good work with College Info Geek. So you have yourself a reader here. So. <laughs> <laughs> Be sure, be sure to keep keep up the good work. All right, man. Thank you. All right, guys. That is it for this episode. I had to wait a little while for a truck to drive by so I could actually do this outro. But thank you so much for listening. And if you want to find that book, once again, it's thestudentpower.com. You can find the guided presentations link at the top of the page. And uh, he's got a free chapter you can download or you can check out the book. I think it's a good buy. And just to let you know, I don't get anything for this. I just checked it out. Um, John's been a friend for a few months now and I thought that it was really, really well put together. So if you want to learn how to give good presentations, I think it's an excellent resource. And other than that, you can find more of my favorite resources at collegeinfogeek.com slash resources. I've got lots of my favorite tools and gear there, links to my essential books list, all kinds of stuff. Other than that, that is all I have for this episode. So thanks so much for listening. I'll see you next week. And until then, stay cute as always.